0: What's up, guys? Welcome to another edition of the Inside the Gators Football Podcast. I am your host, Danny Bien-Webb, and I'm alongside senior beat writer Landon Watnick and my good friend Tanner. Danny, guys, how you guys doing? Doing pretty good. Obviously, we had a sort of a mini
1: bye week with this Florida LSU game being postponed. It was just the week of postponement for me. I mean, South Park got postponed on Wednesday. <laughs> the concert I wanted to go to Wednesday night got postponed of this game
0: got postponed and then this podcast got postponed because of the game being postponed. So,
1: yeah.
2: Everything's just being postponed.
0: Not only does this help Florida when it comes to the SEC East a little bit, but, I mean, they gave them a little mini bye week. And we mm-hmm. spoke to the players and they, they they were disappointed that they weren't playing that game against LSU. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they didn't hate it because Luke Del Rio, he's going to be starting against Missouri this Saturday. I think it was a nice little time for yeah. Florida to you know, get back on its feet because it was getting a little bit plagued by injuries.
1: And that, that's where kind of a little bit of the negative perception from the outside comes, that Florida dodged the game purposefully to have more of an advantage moving forward. I mean, that's just silly, but at the same time as well, the mini-bye week of sorts came at a really opportune time for Florida. Luke Del Rio now is going to be available for the Missouri game. He's going to start. He's pretty much veering towards 100% health with that sprain MCL. And then a lot of guys just on, the, on both of the lines of scrimmage, obviously David Sharp, had that shoulder injury that was nagging him a little bit. He probably would have played against LSU, but now he's closer to full health and is going to play against Missouri. And then you have guys like Caleb Brantley and uh, Brian Cox who are dealing with their respective injuries. Caleb Brantley's was the hand injuries faring a little bit better. And then Brian Cox had an ankle injury and some knee tendonitis. He's going to be good to go. So it, it helps out Florida a lot from an injury standpoint. Obviously guys like Jordan Sherritt with uh, the arthroscopic surgery on his knee and then Joey Avi with the thumb injury aren't going to be available against Missouri, but they get more time for extra rest and i mean the georgia game looks more and more like a likely destination for them to return
0: yeah and the the health of the d line <laughs> is extremely important because oh, we saw sure. them we saw them against vandy they weren't getting as much pressure as we're used to them yeah doing um i mean and especially against missouri their offensive line is what would you say above average i mean they get the ball out really quick He's so
1: slightly above average uh, i was looking at a stat i think right now uh, what are they? In uh, sacks allowed? Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. They're they're number one in the conference in sacks allowed. They've only allowed three, but a lot
0: of that is just because of the quick passing yeah. game that they get out the ball really quickly. So talking about quick plays, yeah. Against West Virginia, they had a hundred total plays, hundred on the dot. Randy Shannon was talking about it earlier. Landon, mm-hmm. what did he what did he say about it? Yeah, Ford's got to you know mix up some calls, make adjustments
1: at the line, and really kind of deceive Missouri with some of their looks. It's, it's gonna. Be, I really want to see just how that pass rush gets going. Pass two games or so, it's really been not as impressive as I thought it would be as compared to the first three. I think it was the first three they got like a combined 16 sacks, and the past couple games there hasn't been as much. So Florida really needs to regenerate that pass rush and get things going because it hasn't been up to standard, at least as compared to the first three games of the year.
2: Yeah, it's like you said, I mean, the defensive line has been not impressive whatsoever these last two contests. In, I mean, looking at stats now, Missouri's ranked 8th in the entire country in passing yards, at 350 yards, passing a game. Leading
0: the SEC, by the way.
1: Yeah, and
2: leading the SEC. So, to, I mean...
1: To go back to the stat I was mentioning, Florida had 16 sacks the first three games. The past two games, only three. So, Florida <laughs> needs to get that going.
2: Yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they will be able to create and produce against... A slightly above average Mizzou offensive line. Let's see what Drew Law can do as well against and, that pressure.
1: And our guest on the show later on, Gabe the Armand of PowerMizzou.com He did a and a for our site for our Behind the Enemy Lines series. He brought up a really good point. Florida's uh, defensive backs are really going to have to play physical press coverage against uh, Missouri's wideouts because obviously Jeff Collins likes to run a lot of zone and Florida's done a lot of that this year, but Florida's got some long athletic corners who could really make plays in man coverage. So, Florida needs to put their cornerbacks and safeties in more of those types of situations.
0: Let's talk about last year's game. Obviously, the Gators won that one, that contest, 21-3. Um, but Drew Locke, the quarterback for Missouri, wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. He was 16 for 39, threw for 151 yards and two interceptions. You look... Uh, his statistics this year he's done a complete 180 i think he has like 14 touchdowns i think landon yeah. uh he's especially under the new offensive coordinator josh huple he's been outstanding this year
1: yeah but a lot of it's inflated um missouri had a very good performance against georgia it's probably that's probably been their best performance this year against a decent opponent obviously it was a loss but a lot of those stats that you see from missouri are pretty inflated because they played teams like delaware state and eastern michigan who are just total cupcakes and that, that's why a lot of their stats are inflated in the SEC rankings. Once they start playing some more quality opponents, you'll, you'll see them drop a little bit. Obviously, against West Virginia and LSU, they combined for just 18 points total. But in that Georgia game, they fared better. But it'll be interesting to see kind of how they fare against Florida. I, I think that once they go up against more elite talent, especially in the
0: secondary, I don't think they're going to be as successful. I mean, I think if you take away this passing game and you know give Drew Locke some yeah. uh, some some problems come Saturday, you put a lot of pressure on their running game and their running game hasn't been very good it hasn't been good at all they they're 11th in the sec in in rushing mm-hmm. that's not very good and i read the q a uh mm-hmm. yeah the, Ar- the Armin doesn't think their running backs are very good and they, mm-hmm. they rely a lot on the freshman running back mm-hmm. that could that could be some problem for them
1: yeah th- this is really an opportunity for the florida run defense to you know kind of just reestablish themselves and make a statement especially without sheridan ivy you know. They got bullied um, last game against Vanderbilt and Ralph Webb missed a lot of you know just uh, you know gap control and assignments and kind of just overplayed the run a little bit in some scenarios. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how they bounce back from that. That game was very uncharacteristic for the Florida defense, even though there were a lot of you know young contributors along that defensive line. I mean they're they're talented, promising guys, but they look below average that game. So I want to see how they bounce back.
0: Yeah, I expect if they shut down the passing game, Florida's definitely going to win this game because. Like like I said, the running game for Missouri, a, a weakness for them. And Florida rush, uh, ranks second in the SEC in rushing defense, only allowing 90 yards a game. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be a huge key for them. Keeping them one-dimensional is
2: definitely going to be key, for sure. So
0: and I think on the offensive side of the ball, the, the Florida running backs have to have to have a big game because, you know, yeah. it's... It, it, We'll, While we'll, we'll see, yeah, we'll see how the running back by committee thing. Oh, if that's the case, or that's, if they're gonna that's one, one thing guy. I wanted to talk about. That running yeah. comi- that running by committee against Vandy looked really, really bad. I think it's time to you know just get them all in the meeting room and be like, guys, this <laughs> committee thing not working out like we expected. Jordan Scarlett, it's your job to lose. Here he goes. Here are the rings. What do yeah, you think?
1: I I don't disagree with you, but just kind of I've got to catch some of the open portions of the practice this week, and obviously very small sample size, but. It seems like Ford is kind of divvying up the reps to the running backs. I mean, Mark Thompson was working with the ones on Wednesday, so I, I guess we'll see how it kind of goes. I think Ford is still going to probably go with it, but if one guy gets the hot hand in the game, maybe Ford starts veering more of the reps towards that guy. But yeah, I still think they're going to probably go running back by committee. What do you think, uh, Tanner?
2: How do you... I mean, personally, feeding the hot hand. You know, that's McElwain. You know, that's what he loves to do. But I honestly think That's that exactly why Jordan Scarlett got no touches in the third quarter. It's, I just
0: don't understand
2: it's, that. It's ridiculous. Jordan Scarlett needs to be the guy. He really needs to be the guy because I'm still not sold on Mark Thompson. Still not running, you know, with physicality. Cronkright's been okay, but, I mean, still not doing too much. And then, I mean, P. Ryan, he's seen limited action as well. So yeah. I still think Scarlett should be the guy, mm-hmm. even though we will see probably another three or four back rotation come this weekend.
0: And what do you guys think about Luke DeRio? His first game back mm-hmm. um, he, from the from the knee injury. I don't expect to for him to be the guy that we saw earlier in the season. Obviously, he's going to be a little bit more anti in the pocket, you know, mm-hmm. which is reasonable coming off that knee injury. Uh, how do you guys think he'll fare? Uh, I think the offense will make slight, but not necessarily significant improvement on DeRio.
1: I mean, he does a better job of you know just identifying those short passes for about like four or five yards of a play that you know kind of keep the offense gradually moving down the field he has a quicker release in the pocket better decision maker I mean he's due for a couple of bad throws each game I mean we've kind of seen that in the first three games that he's competed in as a Gator and I think the Ford offense is going to make a better just more improvement with Del Rio in their center but a lot of it's going to just come down to the offensive line if they could establish the run early it'll help out Florida they could get more play action going and it's going to come down the offensive line but I think that group will perform slightly better with Del Rio because he does a better job of you know just signaling you know mic points and and getting the offensive line lined up
2: yeah it's like you were saying offensive line is definitely key for this because if they can protect Luke and you know if they can protect Del Rio to get the ball out then I mean Florida should be able to have some success and be able to move the chains unlike with I mean Austin Appleby he wasn't really capable compared to Del Rio so I think you're going to see an upgrade a slight upgrade you know, against Missouri, mm-hmm. but I still think it's going to be an ugly game. Yeah, I, I
1: can't disagree with you there. I think it's, I mean, interesting stat that I kind of found. Uh, the past four years, when Florida's played Missouri since Missouri joined the SEC in 2012, excluding defensive touchdowns and excluding special teams touchdowns, Florida's averaged just 12.8 points per game against Missouri. That's excluding the Solomon Patton kick kickoff return t- touchdown in uh, 2013, and then Jalen Tabor's pick six in 2015. So. Oh my it, God. It, it, That's a stat. It, it, that that <laughs> is a stat. So Missouri's had Florida's offense's number so the like, couple of years. So what you're
0: saying is don't come into the swamp on Saturday and expect a shootout. That's what you're what I'm
1: saying about. is don't allow a kickoff return touchdown, a punt return touchdown, a, a pick six, and then a fumble recovery touchdown. Just don't do that. <laughs> well,
0: we talked about injuries earlier in the podcast, and the offensive line got a guy back, too, Tyler Jordan. He's going to be there shooting up on Saturday. Yeah, he, he's been getting reps uh, with the first team at right guard this
1: week. He's going to Get a lot of action. He's finally coming back from. I mean, he's been back from that eye injury, but he's finally, you know, seeing his reps increase. And the offensive line kind of how I've seen in the practice the past couple of days. I mean, you got David Sharp, left tackle, IB at left guard, as usual, Cameron Dillard at center, Jordan at the right guard spot, and then Jawan Taylor sticking at right tackle. It looks like Fred Johnson and uh, Richard uh, Desir Jones are going to kind of be the two guys that come off the bench and really rotate in there.
0: Yeah, there's a there's a lot of question marks with this mm-hmm. Missouri team. I mean, I've been reading up on them, but like you've been saying the whole podcast is that their numbers are a little bit inflated because of the weak competition that they played, and they got most of their numbers in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you can't you, you can't really see what this Missouri team's all about just looking at the numbers. You actually have to see the see their tape mm-hmm. and stuff and. That's why I'm really interested in talking to Gabe DeArmond from PowerMizzou.com because he can really give us the insight that obviously we don't have, and I'm very excited, so let's dive right into it. Let's get it going. All right, guys. We're here with Gabe DeArmond from PowerMizzou.com. Gabe, thanks for joining us, and how are you doing?
3: Not bad, guys. How are you? Doing great.
0: Yeah, we're doing all right. We're just getting ready for this Florida-Missouri game, this homecoming game in the swamp on Saturday at 4 p.m. Gabe... Uh, Obviously, um, Gator fans don't really know much about Missouri. You know, they've been a little bit quiet this year. So how would you describe this football team to Gator fans that don't know much about them?
3: Well, I'm not sure Missouri fans know much about Missouri right now, to be honest with you. I mean, they're two and three. They've, you know, Eastern Michigan and and Delaware State, which, by the way, don't ever schedule Delaware State. It was easily, (laughs) it, it was without a doubt, the worst team I've ever seen. Play in Columbia, which is—I mean, it was seventy-nine nothing in a shortened game. Missouri could have scored hundred and twenty points in that game if they wanted to. It was dreadful, um, but you know they—they—they they, they opened at West Virginia, which for a young team and a first-year coaching staff is—it was a tough draw, and that wasn't a real competitive game. Then they took Georgia down to the wire and really should have beat Georgia. Um, they really did a lot of things to lose that game in the last nine minutes. And then. You know, the the last game before the bye was just, in, uh, just a train wreck, 42-7 at LSU, and so I think that's part of the reason that, that fans really are kind of down on this team right now. You're, you guys know you're as good as your last game, and Missouri's last game was absolutely terrible. I mean, they're a young team, um, not a decent amount of experience on defense, but they've got a new scheme that they really haven't picked up yet. So the defense isn't as good as last year, but the offense is better than last year, but The end result is, you know, this is going to be a team that's on the edge of a bowl game. You know, they're going to be somewhere between five and seven wins probably this year.
0: When you look at this team on paper, the first guy that stands out to you is Drew Locke. You know, he has 14 touchdowns, only four interceptions. He's made long strides from last season when he played the Gators. He threw two interceptions, no touchdowns. Can you talk about his progression from last year to this year?
3: Yeah, I mean, he is better. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But, again, you know, the West Virginia game, he had 300 yards, but they didn't put up any points. The Georgia game, he was pretty good. Um, I mean, he had 335 and I think two touchdowns at halftime, but then he threw three interceptions in the second half of that game and was a big reason Georgia um, was able to get the win. And then LSU, nobody did anything. So a lot of his number, the numbers are inflated. Yeah. By playing two games against bad teams, now he's a better quarterback than he was last year. Josh Heupel is the quarterback coach. Anybody that you know follows college football at all knows what Heupel did as a quarterback, and and really as an offensive coordinator too. Worked with Sam Bradford, with Landry Jones, and with some really successful guys at OU. So there is hope. But Locke is he's better than he was last year, but still nowhere near uh, what Missouri thinks the finished product is going to be.
0: Yeah, you t- you've been talking about the West Virginia game. Uh, against West Virginia, Missouri ran 100 plays but only scored 11 points. Yeah, that's what stood out H- to me. How did sure. that even happen?
3: <laughs> Good question. I mean, I was there, and it, it was amazing. I, I mean, I, they had I – mean, first of all, they, they, they had two or three turnovers. They also – had you know they they were trying to come back and went for it on fourth down at the end of like a seventeen play drive and didn't get it so they didn't get any points. Um, they they went up and down the field just just didn't cash it in in that game. But the plays are I mean hundred plays in the first game I think they're still like averaging like seventy eight a game. I mean this is this is the Baylor offense really is what Missouri's trying to do. Uh, just go as fast as you can. I've on the criticism I've had of it there are times where it looks to me like they're trying to go fast more than they're trying to have the right play or or be successful there. It's almost like going fast is more important than being good at times. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sure it's the right approach when you've got an offense that it's okay. It's not great. Um, I'm not sure it's always the best idea to try to run 90 plays a game, but that's quite clearly what Missouri's doing.
1: It's pretty interesting you bring up the Baylor offense. Obviously, we got to talk to Randy Shannon on Wednesday, and he brought up that it reminded Missouri's offense reminded him of the Baylor offense when he was coaching at TCU on their staff. Obviously, yeah. you, you mentioned you know just them being up tempo. From what you've kind of seen from Missouri, what would be the best method for the Gators defense to try to defend that up tempo attack?
3: Well, I, I think and what LSU was successful doing. And now, saying to preface this with, not everybody in the country has LSU's just sheer physical talent. But I think Florida does on defense. I I think they're probably pretty similar. Mm -hmm. And what LSU was really successful at is getting up in the receiver's face at the line of scrimmage, playing press coverage, being physical with the the receivers. Drew Locke didn't have anybody open in that game. There was nowhere to throw the football. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I think that's the key. Missouri's passing game is heavily reliant on timing and getting the ball out of locks hands quickly so if you can get up disrupt the routes bang these guys a little bit at the line of scrimmage it really makes things tough on on uh, the entire offense because missouri doesn't have a real good running game uh, i mean the line is it's better than we thought it was going to be but i'd say it's still just kind of a little bit above average uh, they don't have really a, a big home run hit or a running back by any means so Uh, they're gonna have to move the ball throw on the football and I think that's the way you kind of knock that thing off rhythm
0: you you talked about uh Missouri getting the ball out of blocks hands extremely fast uh what wide receivers can we look for that we may not know about right now
3: well I mean Jamon Moore is the guy he uh I'm not sure if he still is I know he went into the LSU game leading the league and like catches yards and touchdowns. Hey, he had one catch against LSU and then immediately got a personal foul penalty after making it for talking trash and shoving the football in a guy's face in the game he was down 21 nothing. So, um, you know, that that's probably not the ideal approach. But he's the main guy. He's going to get the most targets. Um, Chris Black, a, a fifth-year transfer from Alabama, has certainly shown some ability. I think he's the second-leading receiver right now. They have six or seven guys who have had 100-yard games at – various points this season, but Jamon Moore is clearly the number one.
0: In Landon's piece, you mentioned the freshman running back. You talked about how this running uh, running game isn't very good for Missouri. Do you think he'll have an opportunity you know, to prove some guys wrong on Saturday?
3: I, I don't know if on Saturday. I mean, DeMaria Crockett, I think, is going to turn into a pretty solid SEC back, but he had some fumble problems mm-hmm. early. Um, it's still about half his yardage this season was in that Delaware State game. Ish Winter is a junior. He's the starter because simply he's dependable. The coaches know what they're going to get. He's going to be where they ask him to be. 5th uh, year transfer Alex Ross has been hurt most of the year. We expect him to play against uh, against Florida, but quite frankly, I'm not sure what the coaches say to him because he, he didn't play like almost the entire game against LSU and then went in and, and did a kickoff return late and when Barry Odom was asked after the game what the deal was. He said it was the coach's decision. He started the season as the starting running back, and he's the guy everybody at Missouri was expecting to lean on. But he got hurt in that West Virginia game and, and just hasn't, or it's early in the Eastern Michigan game, I guess, and it hasn't really been on the field much.
1: I guess just shifting over to the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, Missouri was one of the tops in the SEC in just total defense last year, but obviously it's taken somewhat of a slide this year. What would you kind of attribute yeah. to that to?
3: Well, Damani Cross came in, and, and it's interesting. I, I'd forgotten Randy Shannon was at TCU. I'm not sure when Shannon was there, if they were on the staff at the same time, but that's where Cross came from. Uh, he, was, uh, he was TCU's co-defensive coordinator and linebacker's coach last year. And um, he, he had brought in a different scheme, a little bit more of a 4-2-5. I, but the biggest difference is Missouri has had a scheme the last few years where basically, at the snap of the ball, their defensive line just went upfield as fast as it could. They didn't worry about run, pass, whatever. They just tried to get in the backfield, be as disruptive as possible. If make the tackler hit the quarterback, great. If they just kind of threw things off rhythm, that was fine, too. Now, they're in a little bit more of a gap control, like read and react type system, where the defensive linemen have to make their own calls. They're asked to shoot, to kind of fill gaps instead of shoot through them, and kind of hold things up, and They really haven't taken to it. Um, Charles Harris had a great game against Georgia. Has done nothing the rest of the year. Um, They also lost two really important pieces. Kentrell Brothers, who had – he was, I think, second-team All-American last year. He had 152 tackles. And as Barry Odom said, more tackles than most of the free world last year. (laughs) He's gone. He graduated and went to the Minnesota Vikings. That's a huge loss. Number two, the defensive end opposite Charles Harris was Walter Brady, was a freshman all-american he got kicked off the team this summer and missouri has gotten almost nothing from the defensive end position opposite harris this year so those two losses combined with a scheme that whether missouri doesn't have the personnel to run it or whether they have the personnel to run it there's been a lot of talk of guys just didn't buy in they weren't on board with this maybe haven't worked as hard as they should have You know, it's been, uh, whatever the reason is, it's time for Missouri to play some better defense because we're getting real tired of going to media day and asking these guys, so is it the scheme or is it the execution? It it doesn't really matter what it is at this point. They've got to get it fixed.
0: As you know, Saturday's game will mark Luke Del Rio's first game back from his knee injury. Uh, Missouri ranks ninth in the SEC in pass defense. You know, they've given up 232 yards passing and only four touchdown passes four touchdown passes throughout the whole year how do you expect the real the real to fare come Saturday
3: well you know it's interesting I, I don't know what to think of Florida's passing game I mean they've got these freaks at wide receiver but they're never a team that's, that's thrown the ball really well the last few years uh, but Arian Penton is I think one of the most underrated guys in the SEC he's really good at cornerback the rest of Missouri secondary I'm not real sold on but they do have seven interceptions. They've only given up four touchdown passes. Just in watching games, like you know, numbers can be a little bit misleading. Just in watching games, I don't feel like it, I feel like Jacob Eason in Georgia has been the only team really to hurt Missouri that much throwing the football. I mean, West Virginia and LSU beat them up running the ball. Um, so, and then in that Georgia game, they clearly went into the game and said, "Look, Leonard or uh, Nick Chubb's not going to beat us." you're gonna have to find another way to beat us and and Jacob Eason did so credit to him so I you know looking at Florida I guess and and Landon and I talked earlier today and I guess you have to try to shut down the run first so that's that's probably the approach by Missouri shut down the run make Del Rio and his receivers win the game I, I think they have the physical talent certainly to do it but we haven't really seen them do it you know
0: well, me and Landon know that Florida really doesn't show up for the homecoming games. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you think is going to happen on Saturday? Do you think it's going to be another mud fight, or do you think it's just going to be maybe Missouri pulling off the upset, or do you think Florida's going to run away with it?
3: Uh, you know, I see this as a game where if you get into the low to mid-20s, either team, you're probably going to win. I, I mean, before the year, I thought this was probably Missouri's best chance at an upset. I don't this team is not in a place right now that I really feel like that's all that likely. I mean, I, I see kind of a game that's just, you know, Florida gets out to like a 10-point lead and then just I don't think Florida's going to blow them out, but I don't also see Missouri really ever having a chance to win the game in the second half. You know, just one of those games that's kind of it's just kind of a two-score game the whole day and and, and frankly Probably a pretty boring football game, if you want the truth.
0: What really changed that, though? You said that you thought they were gonna up—that was a potential upset game for Florida. What what really swayed your mind?
3: Well, it, it's—I it, mean, first of all, this is you know when you go game by game before the season and and pick games, you always kind of pick one that it, it, it's no fun to just go by what the numbers are going to be. So you got to pick an upset somewhere. And that was kind of my yeah, what the heck? I could see him winning that game, and and I still could. But this Missouri team, right? Their defense just isn't nearly as good as it was last year. And the offense, while it's better than it was last year, they still against power five competition. They've scored eleven, twenty seven, and uh, and seven. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it, what's that come out to? Like fifteen a game? And I, I'm not sure that that the offense has improved enough that I think they're going to do enough against Florida's defense to, to give them a real shot.
0: Well, on this podcast, we, we always finish with score predictions, but I'm going to try to switch it up with you a little bit. Not only do I want a score prediction from you, but I want a prediction for how many plays you think Missouri is going to run come Saturday.
3: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it's pretty interesting. I, I don't know what the final number of plays was last time against LSU, but they only had the ball for 17 minutes. So I, I don't think it was very many. Um, I think it's, I've been picking Florida like 24-7. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't think Missouri's going to get a whole lot done on offense and I think Florida will just kind of be workmanlike and do enough, including that 24 might even be like a defensive touchdown. Um, I don't know. Number of plays, I I think they'll probably be somewhere around 70. Um, Because uh, to run 100 plays, you have to get first downs. You have to move the chains. and, And I'm not sure I see Missouri getting a whole lot of first downs.
0: Well, guys, if you want to read more of Gabe's material, you guys can always head over to PowerMizzou.com. Gabe, this was fun. I want to thank you for joining us here on the Inside the Gators podcast, and we'll talk to you soon.
3: All right. appreciate you guys having me. We'll uh, see you on Saturday.
0: Now on to my favorite portion of the podcast. It's prediction time here with Landon and Tanner. Uh, guys, it's homecoming. A year ago, the Gators clinched the SEC East against Vandy with a game-winning Austin Harden field goal. Uh, do you guys expect a fun game like that on Saturday?
2: Uh, not at all. Um, <laughs> I mean, the Florida offense, even though Del Rio has been out, they've just they haven't looked good at all. And Missouri, I mean, their defense hasn't looked good like previous years, but still, like. I'm not, I'm not taking Florida's offense right now against anybody. So
0: you're saying whoever sucks less will win this game?
2: Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, to be fair, yeah. I think Florida will come out with a win, but I think it's going to be like a 17-9 to type game. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how Del Rio returns from his injury and how he responds. And I think he will respond some, but everyone's just going to have to be clicking the offensive lines and have to do their job to make sure that he's protected because if he goes down, then, I mean, I think Florida's in trouble. It's interesting. I'm looking
1: here. Florida has not been good in homecoming games for some weird reason since the Tebow days. 2010, they lost 10-7 to against Mississippi State. 2011, they won, but not by much, against Vanderbilt, 26-21. to 2012, they went on a block punt for a score against Louisiana Lafayette. 2013, they dropped a game at home against Vandy for the first time in like 60-plus years. 2014, you got the infamous Mizzou game where... Missouri scored in every possible facet, Thanks. besides a passing How's touchdown. How's that? And we heard the fire must champ chance. And then last year, Florida barely beat Vanderbilt nine to seven. So
0: what is it with these homecoming games that Florida just never shows up? I don't know, man.
1: It's something. But I think Florida's going to break the trend slightly this year. I still expect a pretty ugly game, but I think Florida's going to win twenty three to ten. That's my prediction. I think Missouri. I'm not too impressed with Missouri's defense, and I think with Luke Rio back, the group's going to make some gradual progress offensively not not a ton but I think it's still gonna be better than what that will be under center so yeah. I think Florida breaks the trend here it's, yeah I'm, I'm going too long
0: I'm with you I, I think I'm I'm right along with your prediction I got 27 10 I think it's gonna be a big day for Eddie Pinero uh, I think Florida's gonna be able to get a couple first downs and then get into Eddie Pinero territory and he's gonna be able to have a big game uh, he loves playing at home so I expect him to be locked down Uh, But, yeah, I'm with Tanner a little bit. Whichever team, you know, gets the ball moving a little bit more and doesn't struggle uh, the most will win this game. Um, I don't see Florida losing this game because of their defense. But what really does concern me is the fast-paced offense for Missouri. Uh, It'll be interesting to see if their team stays fresh and will be able to, you know, keep up with that fast-paced offense.
2: And it's like you said, like, Florida – sorry, Missouri – They do have the the up-tempo offense, and that that has given Florida trouble in the past. Um, Last year, though, I mean, I think we're going to see a little bit more from Drew Locke. Drew Locke was a true freshman last year, thrown into the mix. This year, you know, he's gotten his feet wet. I think it's going to be very interesting to see how he goes against a very physical secondary that, you know, Florida has.
0: Yeah, it should should be an interesting homecoming game, Saturday, 4 o'clock p.m. at the Swamp. Uh, the Gators looking to get another W in front of the home crowd, guys. Uh, it's been a good one. It was a it was a little bit of a break we took, but I'm glad that we're back. It was a it was a fun conversation with Gabe and Good conversation with you guys, and uh, it was a good time. What do you guys uh, think? Yeah, it was enjoyable. I'm finally looking forward to you know getting to cover game in the swamp. It's been
1: almost a month now, obviously with the postponement and whatnot. So. Should be exciting, you know, kind of get back
0: on it Saturday. And we can clarify this game will not be canceled unless some catastrophic event.
2: I just hope that a hurricane <laughs> doesn't hit again to where we have to postpone again.
0: So. Yeah, that, that was a message. But finally on Saturday, we have football. It was weird not having football last Saturday. But, I mean, we had a couple good games with Texas a and Tennessee, and Miami, Florida State. But it's good to finally have Gator football back.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. My yeah.
0: Well, guys, thank you for joining us for another edition of the Gator Football Podcast. Have fun on Saturday, and see you next time.